Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Josh Allen is an actual Buffalo. Like, there's no quarterback that actually fits the city more now that Ben is done than Josh Allen in Buffalo. Like, Ben was such a Pittsburgh quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had Ike Taylor on the morning show today, and he said there isn't a better quarterback for a specific city than Josh Allen in Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. That's what I just said. Yeah, I'm just I, you I'm and Ike Taylor on the same Ike page Taylor, there. Um, but it's absolutely true. I mean, just the way that also have that the same team hands, is me and Ike Taylor. Whoa. I'm just kidding. I, I can catch a lot better than me. Um <laughs> a little a little better than me. The uh the, just the, the style of play that he has is so conducive. It's so fit to, it's yeah. so fitting right. and Ben was like that forever here. I mean, it was just there wasn't a more perfect quarterback. Like mm-hmm. if, if Ben was if Ben was the quarterback for like Steelers yeah, toughness Yeah, Ben was in like football, the quarterback yeah. for like the the San Diego Chargers. Right, like, or the Dolphins. Yeah, the yeah. Dolphins be like it's the not Jaguars. Yeah. He'd still be a Hall of Famer, but it would just be like, yeah, you know what? I mean, but he was a, a total Pittsburgher. Uh and Josh Allen's the same way with uh Buffalo. That that run, that fifty-two yard run, um, yeah, it was remarkable, and yeah, it's a highlight real play forever. In That's his the career. play of the game, I think. But like tackle, please. Yeah, I mean, there sure. was uh, some really really wimpy tacklers yeah. out there on Monday. I and think uh, you I don't can think they at... would really shy away with me using that description for them because they'd agree with me if they watched no. the film. I mean, I mean it, was, it wasn't that you know their angles were off. It wasn't that. You know, they were afraid of uh, contact. It was just once they got to the contact, they didn't finish. They didn't bring him into the ground. Um, they allowed them to break the tackle. Like, didn't it seem like Allen was almost surprised when he, like, he ran for 20 yards and then he got that first initial contact mm-hmm. and then he was kind of like still up and then he was just gone after that. Like, it seemed like he was almost like embracing to not fumble and was like, all right, I'm going to take this hit. Mm-hmm. And then after the hit came, he was like, that's all they got for me. Uh, see ya. So. That I think was a huge problem in this game is the the would be tackling the the bad um, ability to finish bring people to the ground. It, it allowed for a lot of second chance yardage yards after the catch yards after contact and uh, allowed you know plays that could have been a five yard six yard gain to be twenty forty fifty two yard touchdowns. Yeah, and Mika Fitzpatrick, someone oh. who is certainly under the spotlight now. Addressed it in when he was talking to the media after the game and took blame. I mean, he took responsibility. He said, "Yeah, I, I had to have been better." And um, you saw his pursuit in that Josh Allen play, and he said, "I didn't really see what was going on because I was covering my man, and Josh Allen had broken away, and maybe he thought he was too far away out of Minka's reach for him to catch up." So. That's why you saw Minka kind of pull up as Josh Allen was breaking away. But then it's really inexcusable because you know Minka Fitzpatrick as a tackler can be such an assured thing. But that touchdown to, I don't even know the kid's name, that Bills receiver. Um, 
you assume Megan Fitzpatrick has him wrapped up. Shakir. Shakir. Was that Shakir? Oh, yeah, Shakir, yeah. Um, Mika has him wrapped up, and he just squirms away and gets into the end zone. Yeah, it was not the best day for Minka Fitzpatrick. No, and I hear a lot of people, and I think, you know, partly fair, partly, you know, maybe he needs to be a little more accountable just because of who he is. But I see a lot of people saying, well, he was off for the last, like, this is his first game in a month. Correct me if I'm wrong. He missed, did he miss the game against the Bills last year? No, he played, right? When Gabe Davis, no, was he it, was out. He was out. Was he? Oh out? no, 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 no. He was definitely in because I think Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis torched him, right? beat him on that touchdown. Yeah, we have a matchup problem here with Minka Fitzpatrick and the Bills and, and Josh Allen scheme on offense. The, because who who uh, who scored two touchdowns over the middle of the tight ends this week too? Yeah, the Bills again. Yeah. So I wonder if the Bills' offensive scheme knows a little something something about the Steelers' defensive scheme. Now uh, I heard on the. Um, in the locker room last week with Wolf and Starks, they were talking about familiarity. And, uh, you know, Steelers are great against their division, right? You see them every year, mm-hmm. twice a year. But they laid out, like, they've played the Bills, like, every year since, like, 2018. Yeah, and they've only like won that. once. Right, but and they've that played them a one. ton. Yeah, they so should be a little more familiar. There, yeah, for that's sure. That's a two-way street, so I wonder if the Bills kind of pick up on some things with the Steelers, especially in that second They've area. played each other every year since... Uh, in- now they didn't play each other this year in the regular season, but it they met in the playoffs. They've played each other every year since 2019. Yeah, so you know not familiarity so was 21 to three, to be expected. five years in a row they've played. You could expect that familiarity from the Steelers side of the street for sure, and you could say, well, maybe you can capture some of that AFC North magic and apply it to Buffalo because they're one of the teams that you see a lot of outside of your own division. But I think Buffalo also, that can be applied to them. And I think it is, especially with how they attack the secondary. I mean, like we just referenced, it's two two years in a row now where Mink has kind of been targeted by this Bills offense. And uh, Bills offense, is, it's, it's paid dividends for them. So um, maybe it's just a coinkadink. Maybe, you know, he was hurt in this game, still came back a little early because he's a warrior and he wanted to play in this playoff game if – if he was at all healthy. Uh, but it's tough to see your all-pro safety, you know, make some gaffes mm-hmm. that cost you points in this game. One with the tackling and then one with the coverage on the tight ends. Yeah. I, I thought Minko was going to be like a difference maker, stopper. Yeah. Like, I thought yeah. he would just be... The neutralizer, yeah. right? We, we, said, we said from the get-go, once we knew the matchup, you put JPJ on Gabe. Uh, I'm sorry, on Stefan Diggs, and then you utilize Mika Fitzpatrick to shore up that middle of the field so that you take away the tight ends, and that wasn't the case. No, it wasn't. Uh, Kincaid had three catches for 59 yards and a tutty. Dawson Knox had another tutty on the Steelers. Um, and that was another. Diggs caught seven passes for 52 yards. To me, like, that was a backbreaker because, again, Tom, all week long, not just us. Everyone was laying out, stop the tight ends, take them away, take them out of the equation, you should be okay because you trust Joey Porter Jr. to do his job against Stefan Diggs. So prioritize those tight ends. Say one guy on our offense can cover their one guy. So the other 10 guys need to focus on those tight ends. And the Bills' first two touchdowns were to each of their two tight ends. Yeah, I thought Porter Jr. did okay against Diggs. Uh, First of all, that was a blatant ridiculous. personal foul. You can't just run 10 yards as an offensive lineman and then nail a defensive back in the in back. The back. Like that. 
the towards, back towards of the, the head. head. Yeah. Towards the head, too. Definitely. Um, not to say that he was head hunting. To, to, but the to, hit was to high. not call that play and then to call the Dan Moore unnecessary yeah. roughness play. It was a little weird. I mean, I'll throw another one out there. Yeah. Diggs can just grab a water bottle on the right. Steelers' That's allowed. That's not taunting. Throw it in their face. That's not taunting. That's an easy 15 yard penalty. Yeah. Sometimes I think the refs get caught up in the emotion of the home team and atmospheres like that. They want to appease to the home team? Because, like, the crowd's going crazy and Diggs made a big play and, like, they're just like, all right, Buster, get back to the line of scrimmage. I think all refs talk like that. Like, they're in, like, the 60s. (laughs) They're stuck in, like, the 50s. Buster Brown. Um, So that was weird. Uh, I don't know why that was cool. And, And I know people outside of Pittsburgh and Bills fans will be like, oh, you hate fun? Wasn't that fun? That was a fun moment. You would have been saying the same thing Absolutely. if George Pickens did that after a first down oh, play. You'd course. want those 15 yards back for sure. Can we? Uh, now that you brought up Pickens, I don't want to... The helmet throw? Is that what you're going with? The helmet throw, but I was also going to say... Wasn't the helmet throw more out of frustration of with the, the refs. hold that, yeah. that was on? That it wasn't, wasn't like, I'm not getting the ball yeah. or the offense is stinking. It was but more... I saw a lot of people complaining about Pickens. I think it was justified. The problem I had was you're down 21 to 7. I think we need to stop with the microscope every time yeah. a receiver shows any sort of emotion whatsoever. Well, this is ironic because what I'm going to bring up is Deontay Johnson celebrating in the end zone down 21 to 7. I mean, he does that. He does that every time. It wasn't as bad as the last one, though. Because no, it was when, still a long what, way to what go. was that? Was that New England that he did that? I think it was Arizona. I want to say it was either New England or Arizona. It was one of, against the two and I think 10 it was teams. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one thing. But the Pickens thing, you know, he throws his helmet after the hold, and you can clearly read his lips saying, I was held, plus some mm-hmm. other expletives. You know, people getting really mad at that, and they're, they're starting to play the same tune that they were before he had that three-week explosion. Well, two-week explosion, he didn't do anything against the Ravens. But yeah. before he had that two-week explosion, and, and you know what? It's funny because just a week ago, people were saying – a lot of maturity from the young man, not getting a target against the Ravens and not opening his mouth. Well, he doesn't open his mouth at the team here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't open his mouth at Rudolph. He's not opening his mouth at the, the coordinators. Coaches, He's not yeah. saying I need the ball more. That was strictly, you know, we're trying to come back in this game. I was held. That's a first down that we need to keep this drive going and try to pull off an improbable comeback, and I didn't get it. You know, that's just as much of a wide receiver's game as as anything is putting a defensive back in such a blender that you draw a big penalty mm-hmm. like that on a third down. And Pickens did it. He drew the penalty, uh, and he didn't get the cooperation from the refs. Obviously, you aren't always going to get that cooperation, but uh, it seemed pretty unanimous that people felt that was a penalty on the defensive back. And that's where his frustrations came from. So I don't get the people, you know, sitting back at the old George Pickens is a problem piano and start banging away their favorite. No, I didn't again. think um, if he was, you no. know, mouthing off about Rudolph, if you could read his lips saying like, you got to get me the ball or what a bad pass or blah, blah, blah. Then you want to start playing that tune. Sure. It was so clear cut about the referees. I mean, he even said it after the game. He's going to get fined for that for sure. But he even said after the game, you know, he was nailing on the refs and that's all he can think about was the refs. Um, that's more growth that he needs to exhibit. He needs to be able um, to just. I'm not upset put about throwing the, the helmet on the sidelines, even if you're a mature player. Sometimes you get mad. Uh, the post game comments, though, don't need to say that. Protect your money, George. You right. don't. You don't need to to lose any money after you just lost and your season's over. Take that money to to Turks and Caicos, buddy. I mean, seriously. <laughs> so you don't need to lose your money. Um, 
and you just don't. Refs are petty, I think, and they hear some of those comments, and now next Take year you're going to get a ref crew yeah. like that, and they're going to say, or that well, ref crew, you're going to get that ref crew again, and they're going to be like, well, I mean, he had some words for me after this game, so I'm not going to do him any favors right. this time, exactly. So maybe they can be a little extra handsy with George Pickens uh, in Cleveland on this Sunday afternoon. So there's still some obviously maturity that needs to be experienced there from George, but again. It had nothing to do with the team. He didn't quit on a play. He didn't stop his blocking. Like, it's completely different from what we were mad about four weeks ago. And I think yeah. it's it's, an, it's unjustified. If you want to say he should have handled it differently, fine. But to be back on the can't win with a guy like that, no. get rid of you him, saw, he's a you problem, saw a that's absurd. Of, you saw a lack of effort a month ago. It was a lack of interest, a yeah. lack of effort. He gave it his all. That catch he had late in the game on third down where no, he I contorted mean, I'm his body. I'm seeing the same stuff, though, and it's just absurd. Like, no, that's right. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. But you how, how do you say that? How do you say you're seeing the same George Pickens that you saw a month ago who wouldn't blog for Jalen Warren when you saw him literally bend his body into a, a semicircle to catch a ball on, on, a, on a pivotal third down? Like what was he supposed to do? Just come to the sidelines and sit down and be like, yeah, right. "Oh la di da, oh I was held, but oh well, game's gonna be over now, but oh well, who cares?" So yeah, I don't, I don't really get that uh, hatred bubbling back up uh, towards Mister Pickens. Uh, again, I don't think he was really complaining at all about the Steelers and the game plan or or not getting him the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one thing that I'm gonna complain about here though is the Steelers' inability. To stop the Bills running the football, um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, so they they kick the field goal right to make it twenty-one to ten. Pittsburgh does, and then the next play, are uh, the first play on the Bills' next possession, you get James Cook going for eleven yards. Then the next play, you get James Cook going for five yards. Then you get James Cook going for four yards. Then you get Josh Allen on a no gain. Then you get Josh Allen up the middle for a yard to get the first down on fourth and one. Then James Cook runs again. They ran the ball. One, two, three, four, five, six straight times before uh, Allen finally passed the ball on that drive. And they were able to run the ball from their own 25-yard line to their own 47-yard line to almost midfield. Um, That's making it way too easy on them. Then, of course, they work their way down into Steelers territory, kick the field goal. So then the Steelers score the touchdown, right, to make it 24-17. to The Bills' next drive. They start with a pass. So you get them in first and 10. Miles Jack had the defensive holding, which was a total bogus call. Yeah. Uh, Uncatchable. Ridiculous. And also on the replay, he didn't hold him. It was no. just incidental. Contact. It was just a hand, yeah. All right, so then first and 10, you redo that. Buffalo okay. 35. Nine yards for James Cook. Then James Cook for three yards. Then Josh Allen for 13 yards. Then he completes a pass. Then Josh Allen up the middle for two yards, plus another unnecessary roughness that was kind of bogus on Miles Jack. Again, with Josh Allen sliding. But my point is, like, they just were able to run the football mm-hmm. at will mm-hmm. in that second half. And you kick the field goal, they run the ball six straight times for positive yardage. You get the touchdown, yeah, you get the penalty that was fishy, but then they run the ball like three straight times for for a lot of yardage. They needed to be able to bottleneck that rushing attack. They couldn't do it, and it made life really easy for the Bills, and it made... It really limited Allen's opportunities to make a big turnover in that second half. So Without right, a question. Stopping the run, I think, was really where the comeback effort got away I mean, from they, them. as a team, ran the ball for 10 less yards than they passed the ball. 
the yeah. Bills. 189 rushing yards, or I'm sorry, 189 passing yards to 179 rushing yards. Allen threw the ball 30 times. They ran it 34 times. Yeah. They like to run the ball a and this, lot. At and home. this is this is without the weather conditions. They you know, you would have assumed that number would have been greater than uh, significantly if the if the game had been played as scheduled on on Sunday, and the and you know the field was clear. The, the field was superb in, in superb condition. The skies were fine, and they still ran the ball more often than they passed. They like the ball. to run the ball at home too. We told you last yeah. week that those numbers go up percentage wise when they're playing at Highmark Stadium. Um, but they ran the ball just so effectively. And, again, it made it where they never really had to panic about this game. Mm-hmm. They never really had to worry that the Steelers were ever going to threaten because any time that, you know, that offense needed to get back to midfield, get close to field goal range, give themselves some breathing room, suck the momentum away from the Steelers, mm-hmm. they just would run the ball for yeah. 10 yards, 9 <clears throat> yards, 5 yards, 6 yards, Allen for 13 yards. It, mm-hmm. it was way too easy for, for them. them. And, again... I think Watts' absence was felt mainly, of course, in the pass rush game, and and maybe Allen is is forced into a fumble or a bad pass if Watt is breathing down his neck all game long, and that fear factor is kind of there. But I do also think that Watt helps in the running game uh, in this one as well, would have been able to limit some of those bigger runs and wouldn't have... Uh, made it as easy for the Bills to lean on that rushing attack to kind of help ice this game out. So as much as he would have helped in turning the ball over for Josh and getting after Josh and harassing him in the passing game, can't help but think that his absence in the rushing rushing game was was really a, a difference maker in this game as well. Yeah, that's just what he does, right? You want to talk about multifaceted, that's who T.J. Watt is. And... I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think that if TJ's in this game, the Bills don't run for nearly 200 yards. I think, I don't know what the ratio is of, of passes to runs, but I'm sure it looks different from what we saw. I'm sure they don't find the same success on the ground game, so maybe you don't see 34 rushing attempts. Uh, maybe you do see a little bit more of Josh Allen uh, throwing the ball and less designed runs by Josh Allen as well. And I have to think too that, you know, we I I pra- I praise Marcus Golding and Nick Herbig for doing as good of a job as they possibly could have done uh, without T.J. Watt. But Alex Highsmith for some pressures. I have to assume at the rate he was winning uh, on the line of scrimmage, Alex Highsmith, that if T.J. Watt was there, he'd have an even better day than he did. Uh, he still ended up with a sack and had a ton more pressures to boot, but. I can't imagine how much better he would have done with the guy who leads that team in QB pressures and QB hits and tackles for losses and the whole nine yards. I can't imagine the type of day that Alex Highsmith would have had, and as a result, that would have forced upon Josh Allen. It just That's who T.J. Watt is. He changes football games, and there's a reason we continue to make the case for him to be D-point, even most valuable player in the league, because this team, you want to talk about value? 1-11. One one, now 1-11 without T.J. Watt. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs, 
Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you still have to really give him kudos, though, for uh, having Him being these- Alan? No, uh, Watt. Oh, okay. I was going to say for having the same performance as Garrett and Parsons did on yeah. Super Wild yeah. Weekend. Those two were invisible, and I somehow still think Watt's going to finish second or third in this balloting. Now, the ballots were closed by the time the playoffs started, to be fair. So the votes were already cast. Yeah, I don't feel good. But I can still just, you know use it to advance my narrative more that they didn't right. show up on the biggest stage. I don't feel good about it. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, what's Watt ever done in the playoffs? He loses every time he goes to the playoffs. In fact, he lost to Garrett when he played the the Browns in the playoffs. Uh, last time Watt was in the playoffs, he scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's just I know the Steelers got absolutely whomped in that game, but he scored a touchdown. Garrett and Parsons didn't do diddly squats in their games, and their teams got absolutely railroaded uh we'll get to that in the next episode to be fair around the NFL. Though, and I, I love tj but his teams have been kind of molly whopped yeah but he time. scored a touchdown he scored a touchdown he scored a touchdown I mean, he scored a touchdown right. in a playoff game that's way more than those two can say that oh did. yeah for sure um, you know, I, I i everyone was saying it i think dale lolly had the best tweet of the weekend saying what was garrett's what was the pass rush pass win rush win rate to win rate today i mean it, it is Remarkable all weekend long during Super Wild Card Weekend. They'd show graphics on the various networks, CBS, Fox, you know, front runners for awards and the odds because gambling's in bed with football now. And it's just, it's so overwhelmingly Garrett as the favorite. Yeah. And it really makes you scratch your head. And, and it makes me wonder is it Vegas just preying on Browns fans and preying on the casual NFL fan that's like, Oh, lay all, all this, this money on all Garrett. This talk is about Garrett's a lock. Garrett's a lock. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a quick chunk of change here, and because I just don't know how you fill out a ballot and not in good faith give it to T.J. Watt. Now the reason why you have to really worry is that Garrett got more AP first team All Pro votes than Watt did. For which Ed is Rushers. absurd again. Like which is so just that weird. makes There's- you want that makes you wonder that. Garrett might end, up, might end up winning it. Steeler fans, here's what I'll say to you. When the, he does win the depoy and the, the whole more first-team all-pro votes, make these people explain their reasoning. And they will. They'll give you their reasoning, and don't don't argue with them. We're going to take the high road here. Just smile in your head at how ridiculous their reasoning is because they're going to be throwing out pass rush win rate at you. They're going to be throwing out double team rate. They're going to be throwing out all these arbitrary objective stats. Objective. That, Sorry, subjective. Subjective, yes, that don't have any, you know, oversight from yeah. one governing body. Like it's PFF does this thing and then NBC Sports has this app and then this is for ESPN.com has this app and like we have we use this formula like and they're all over the place. 
So they're gonna they're gonna reference all this different stuff. They're gonna say it's more that than they ju- use. And yeah. you're gonna hear this a lot. You're gonna say it's more than just about the sacks and more than just about the numbers, which is what losers say to try to invent mm-hmm. themselves into being winners. Yeah. How about the fact that T.J. Watt, um, or I'm sorry, Marcus Golden, had as many sacks in this one game as Miles Garrett did in the last seven weeks combined. Her big or yeah, Watt outperform in that last game against the Ravens. Watt like. Double. Oh, we're Garrett's. talking about. We're talking about. I know we're talking about Marcus Golden, but I'm just going to add to it. Like yeah. Watts, two sack. First of all, he won AFC Defensive Player of the Week in the last week of the season yeah. when his team needed a win to get into right. the playoffs. And then uh, I also saw another set that like Herbig with that sack against Seattle had more sacks mm-hmm. in strip sacks. No, anyone who's had one sack since like week 15 has uh, as many as Garrett's had. It's like week 14, Tom. All up. right. So the big topic before we wrap up this episode the big topic of conversation this offseason jacob's obviously going to be the quarterback yeah um do you gut feeling right now you know it's still fresh 20 less than 24 hours since they got bounced is mason back next year yes or no oh i'm gonna say no Ooh. Yeah. So then I guess the answer to I this think question to me, is yes. To Kenny me, is going to be all the starter arrows next year. are pointing to Kenny Pickett. See, I yeah. think there's a chance Kenny could be the starter next year, but See, Mason I think it was, can be back too. Yeah. I I would have been more assured of that had Steelers won yesterday. In if they per- win, there's no question. You do everything you can to bring that guy back. In a perfect world, you bring Mason back on the Mitch deal, and it is a true quarterback competition in training camp. Uh, at St. Vincent between Pickett mm-hmm. and and Rudolph. Not for show, not, you know, we're going to say it's a quarterback battle, but we really, really want it to be Pickett, so as long as he just doesn't make a big, big mistake, it's going to be his. Like, I'm talking Drew Locke, Geno Smith-level mm-hmm. quarterback battle that we saw in Seattle a couple years ago. Make it wide open. And to be honest with you, because you got to have somebody start in front, right? Someone's got to take that first, yeah. first team rep. I might lean toward Mason. You know, getting a little bit of the the advantage there, but that's to be determined, and that's way down the road. Um, that's my fantasy, though, is that Mason gets the Mitch deal, and that both of them are back in camp competing this year with I a do, fair I, chance. I do feel like right with he, a fair chance, right? With a fair they chance, they can bring Mason back and, and still say, say it, but yeah, with a fair, true job. chance. That's my dream scenario for the quarterback spot. I kind of think you're right, though. I think Mason yeah. might walk. He's going to get options. He's going to get options, not to start, but he's going to get options to back up. And I think he can read the tea leaves. I think he can understand that this team is not ready to give up on Kenny Pickett just yet. So maybe I'll go to New York and see if they're ready to give up on Daniel Jones by week five, and and I'll slide in. By the way, I did look it up. Since week 12. Week 12. He hasn't had a sack since week 12. Miles Garrett. No, he has one sack. One sack since week 12. Yeah. Look. You can reference how he gets double teamed all you want and how the attention is all paid towards Miles Garrett and blah, 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 blah. He's got to finish at some point. Like, you still have to get sacks. The great mm-hmm. ones, like, you know what made Reggie White so great? He never faced a double team. And and they ne- and sometimes offensive coordinators would go into playing the Eagles or the Packers and they'd be like, oh, crap, Reggie White's out there. I forgot the game plan for him all week long. All the greats get game planned for. Right. All the greats get double teamed. Right. You, they still produce. So you right. got to produce. Yeah. Like, that's got to be part of it. You might be double teamed more than TJ Watt. That might be true. I wonder why. But you still got to produce. Like, is it not because Miles Garrett is, like, 40 pounds heavier, like, five inches taller? He plays taller? on the defensive line, too. He's, right. he's more of a hand-in-the-dirt guy right. as opposed to Watt being a stand-up rusher. 
Uh, gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players. Authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. They're located at Acrisure Stadium, the Grove City Premium Outlets, or the Tanger Outlets. Or you can visit us online at shop.steelers.com. All right, we'll take a break from the depressive nature of Steelers talk right now. We'll look at what happened on the rest of Super Wildcard Weekend, and there were some results that make you feel warm and fuzzy inside as Steeler fans, even though your game didn't go the way you wanted to. So we'll talk about what happened over the weekend and take an early look at the divisional matchups that resulted because of that. That's up next on the Steeler Standard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 